In this episode, I'm having a conversation with the amazing Evan Money. This is part one of two. And in this episode, Evan shares how he turned pain in his life into passion and how he committed to going against the norm of the day-to-day mundane so that he could live with greatness in his marriage and as a father. Evan's going to share how one extraordinary practice that him and his bride have every year has helped them frame their relationship on prehab versus rehab, and he shares the exact same steps they took so that you can do the same in your relationship. Evan's going to talk about how you can rise up to greatness as a father. He's going to talk about rising up to greatness as a husband, and then we're going to lead right into part two, where he will start to talk about processing emotion. This is a powerful episode. I can't wait for you to dive in with Evan Money today. The episode with Evan Money starts now. You are listening to the Dads Making a Difference podcast, the number one podcast for men driven to live a life of significance. Men who want to make a difference in the lives of their families, in their business, and in the world around them. My name is Cam Hall, founder of Fight the Dabot and leader of the Dads Making a Difference Mastermind. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Now, let's dive in. Hello, my friend. Welcome to another episode of the Dads Making a Difference podcast. My name is Cam Hall. I am your host. I am grateful that you're here. I appreciate you. I'm also grateful for the conversation that I have today with Evan Money. Evan is an amazing guy. You're going to pick that up as soon as he speaks. You're going to hear the energy in his voice. You're going to see if you're watching on YouTube, the energy in his body language, his smile, and it's just so contagious. I'm excited for you to dive into this conversation. Now, the energy is not the most important part. The most important part is the value in the in the amazing challenges that Evan brings in our conversation. I'll tell you a little bit about Evan. Evan Money is happily married. He is a number one best-selling author. He is also a global entrepreneur. And while he is also a successful filmmaker and founder of the Personal Growth Hall of Fame, Perhaps one of the things Evan is best known for is that he and his bride, Susan, commit to an extraordinary practice every year that helps them strengthen their marriage and strengthen their family. You're going to hear more about that in this episode. We're going to dive in with Evan Money. But before we do, I want to welcome you. If you are new here, welcome to the DMD podcast. Hit that subscribe button. We don't want you to miss out on any upcoming amazing episodes. And go ahead, leave a review, rate it five stars. And if you can't leave it five stars, please send me a message and let me know why. I love your feedback. I love your questions for future episodes. You know, Dad's Making a Difference is a podcast dedicated to helping men become difference makers in their lives, in their family, in their business, and in the communities around them. And I am sure that this episode, which is part one of two with Evan Money, is going to challenge you to do that exact thing. All right, my friend, here we go. Let's get into our conversation today with Evan Money. Evan, welcome to the DMD podcast. Cam, beyond excited to be here. Well, excited to have you. Uh, we were able to connect last week and, you know, over the last, you know, seven days or so, just in my mind, I've been so 
looking forward to this conversation and what we're going to get into today. I know you are happily married, a number one bestselling author. I said that in the intro, but we're going to talk a lot about marriage today. And we're going to talk a lot about relationships and men and how we struggle with relationships. We're going to get into the, the tough stuff. So if you're listening to this right now, you need to be ready because uh, Evan's here just to uh, share fire with you. And so welcome. Excited to have you. Again, Cam, this is highlight of the day. Uh, excellent. So I think where I want to start, Evan, is that you exude passion and excitement uh, when it comes to speaking about health and finance, but most of all about relationships and marriage. Um, where does that passion and that excitement come from? Mm. Well, before we get started on that, I need to edify you, Cam, for sure, because, you know, during our pre-call and just getting to know each other and talking, you kind of sent me this little sheet with some question ideas, and rarely do I get that from, you know, podcast hosts, and then, so I'm scanning, you know, skimming through it, and I'm like, wow, Cam actually listened. <laughs> so the, your ability to listen louder is remarkable and that will serve you exceedingly well as your success continues to rise and rise and rise and rise. And that is the reason that it is because the better listeners are the ones that have much better lives. And if you're the kind of person that really wants to eliminate pain and problems in your life and you're listening to this podcast, then you're in the right place. So Cam and I, again, are going to bring it. And the reason it's going to be so good is not because I'm so amazing, but because Cam knows how to pull the greatness out of his guests that are on his podcast. So I just want to make sure you understand that you know how amazing you are, Cam. I appreciate you, Evan. That was very kind. Thank you. So you asked, uh, oh, kind of where it came from. Yeah, where does that passion and excitement for, you know, relationships and coaching and helping men, where does that come from? Well, I think the answer may surprise you and a lot of the listeners is it comes from pain. Mm. It comes from pain. Uh, you know, I'm old school. You know, you can tell by the hairline, right? I've, I've got a few laps on you, Cam. So uh, in my day growing up, Rocky Three was the big movie. And I know a lot of guys have, you know, found a lot of the old movies and appreciate it. But Mr. T, classic line in the film, they said, you know, Clubber Lang is the character. And they asked him, you know, do you have any predictions for the fight? And he's like, I predict pain. <laughs> just the way Mr. T says that. But that's where I came from. That's where all of it was birthed from, was this massive pain and dysfunction. Because that's how I grew up. I was in a normal dysfunctional family. You know, mom and dad got divorced when we were really young, and I'm still processing some of that deep-rooted pain from that, because at the core, at the core, from a masculine standpoint, it's, well, my dad wouldn't have left if I was good enough, and that is a deep-rooted story that gets told through that, but it takes a while to process and get into that, so this passion and also excitement, all that just came out of this life of pain. And finally it was, you know what? I don't want to live like everybody else lives. So for example, from a marriage standpoint, Cam, I saw three examples of when it came time to being married or just married people. And this was growing up. I grew up here in Southern California. So just growing up and all through my teens and early 20s, this is all I saw, Kim. I saw you could be married and miserable. 
You could be divorced and desperate, or you could be single and cynical. And I was wow. like, I refuse to live that way. I will not do that. I'm not living that way. So a lot of this excitement and this passion, uh, and we'll talk about the definition of that in a second, but a lot of that again, came out of pain and came out of rebellion of like, you know what? I'm not doing what everyone else is doing. I'm not gonna go to work, come home, go to work, come home, go to work, come home. Okay, here's my wife, old nag in the bag. I'm like, man, I wanna be excited about my marriage. I wanna be excited about life. I wanna be excited about doing things. And so again, it came out of rebellion and it came out of pain. But what's interesting, you mentioned the word passion, that word gets mm-hmm. thrown around a lot. And I know you're from the great North and you guys have different interpretations of words, but the actual definition for passion is to suffer greatly for. And so very few people are willing to put in that kind of work and effort for something, but I'm not really excited about suffering for anything. So I'm about like, Hey, how do we reprocess this and put this in a way where it's exciting? It's fun. There's joy. And for those on the faith-based side of things, you know, I'm a big believer in the joy of the Lord is my strength, not the rules, not the dogma, not the bogus religion, but the joy. And that rarely gets mentioned. That's amazing. I'm going to circle back to something you just said about, you know, what passion means. And the word suffering was used in there. And I I want to bring up something that you do, that you and Susan do, Susan's your bride, and that I think is incredible. And I think there's a lot of men out there who'd be that's a little bit of suffering and there's a lot of planning and struggle that goes along with that. But it's something you do every year. And I find that it's amazing. You and Susan get married in a new state or a new country every single year. And you're, you're coming up on year 29, wedding 29. So congratulations. Tell us where that started. Okay. So first of all, don't forget the honeymoons, Cam. Yeah, don't forget the honeymoon. We'll get there. We'll get to the honeymoon, that, that piece. <laughs> that, too. That's the big draw. Um, but you mentioned, you know, the passion and that side of it. And sadly, that is what men and women mostly equate when it comes to weddings, is this stress and this thing and just like, oh, and that's sadly, that's what a first wedding is. And, you know, down to like, oh, my gosh, where's that Martha going to sit? What are we going to, you know, who are we going to invite? Who can't we invite? Rarely do you have enough money, right? You got to leave people off the list and all this stuff. So after the first one, it's really fun because you don't have any rules. You don't have to worry about anything. It's just so fun and exciting. And so, again, yes, we are on wedding and honeymoon number 29. And that really I discovered did two things for us, Cam. It puts me in these, this, these great states. So I'm either, either, either in a post-honeymoon bliss, which we're just coming out of because we got back from Dubai. We went in November to Dubai. That was wedding 28. Amazing. And now we're in the next state, which is the excited planning of where are we going next? What are we going to do? Like, how do we top Dubai and getting married on the top of the tallest building in the world? Like, what do we do next? So we were like, okay, I don't know what we're going to do. So this year we decided to stay local. So we're actually getting married on the Noah's Ark. There's a life-size Noah's Ark in the state of Kentucky. Incredible. So built this behemoth of a thing. And it's like this museum and they got zip lines. They got a zoo. We're like, let's go get married on the Ark. So mm-hmm. I just ordered, Cam, my zebra skin, not actual skin, but a faux zebra jacket. So... <laughs> 
We're Amazing. Gonna the, yeah, we're going to do the animal and the Noah's Ark theme. So that's kind of the, the blessing uh, from the remarriages. But I'm telling you guys, it's yeah. all about the honeymoon. Yeah. So let, let's dive into that. You, you said, you know, the celebration and bliss is such an important piece of this. The prepar- preparation and planning gets easier uh, yes. after the first one. Uh, when we spoke last week, you said something that stuck with me that was really powerful. And you were speaking of the importance of the celebration in the bliss and the preparation planning, these two stages. And you mentioned prehab versus rehab. And that's where in, in our conversation that came up about, you know, you and Susan's relationship and in marriage, that's important. But then you explained what prehab versus rehab is. Would you dive into that for our listeners? Because I, I find it so powerful. Sure. So I know up in Canada, and I'm doing my best not to say A, right? But I have to throw it out there. But I might drop one or two in this conversation. It's all right. So I know you guys have the CFL up there, and I imagine the NFL is somewhat popular over here. And the, the name Tom Brady is, is becoming, you know, kind of a, a worldwide phenomenon. But I discovered this on our marriage, but Tom Brady gets the credit for kind of uh, putting the verbiage around it. So with Tom Brady, he has his TB12 program, and it's all about, hey, how do, we, how do we condition the body differently? How do we get different results? And obviously, his career has shown that by doing things different, he's gotten results that no one has ever gotten. And so at his age, 44 years old, going to be 45, he's still playing at the highest level possible. And he wrote a book and laid it all out to say, hey, if you do these things, you can have these results. And what's fascinating, Cam, is nobody's doing it. because it's such a huge paradigm shift for them. And my bride and I discovered it's kind of the same in our relationship. So I, I go around, you know, I'm, you know, my bride and I've spoken at many places, been all these things. And I cannot tell you that I've been to one single church anywhere in the world where I've talked to a faith-based man to tell me about all the great sex he's having with his wife. And I'm like, I can't be the only one, right? Like, what is the deal here? So the prehab versus rehab mindset is understanding that, okay, here's what most people do. They get married, they start a family, stressed out, starting to argue, do this and this and this. And when it's all falling apart, they go, gosh, maybe we should talk to somebody or go you know, look at some counseling. And that's like, okay, let's do rehab, right? You know, last resort, right? Where the, the mindset comes in like, well, hey, what if instead of rehabbing, what if we did prehab? Like for Tom Brady, he says, okay, instead of I'm going to get hurt, get surgery and rehab, Tom Brady said, well, what if you prehab? What if you start working on your body, ways to move it and ways to train it and condition it so you don't get hurt in the first place? And in a high impact sport like professional football, you're taking a lot of contact. So Tom Brady's program is all about moving your body, working your muscles so they can absorb the contact. And then the absorption gets dissipated throughout the body. So it doesn't just go to the weakest link, right? We've all heard a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. That's right. That's how injuries happen. The the force may come here, like on your arm, but it dissipates down to the weakest link, which is the joint over here. You know, something breaks, something happens. So in our relationship, we said, hey, let's focus on the prehab. Let's start working on ourselves. Let's grow together. So there isn't a weak link where all the stress and the trauma and all the stuff goes to. Because at the end of the day, when you look at people that are having pain and problems in their marriages, it's always the same trigger. 
And it's always like, oh, we're going to do that again. Oh, we're going here again. Okay, that's the weak link. So it's saying, hey, how do I structure and create this prehab? So I don't want to alienate anybody on this call, but I just want to show the value and, and what happens. So, and I'm going to structure it this way. So Cam, you are in a position of authority in, you know, I know you have multiple businesses that are thriving, but you also have a position of authority with your, with your day job. Yeah. But I want all the listeners to think about this, say, okay, when was the last time I sat down with the CEO of my company and I yelled and screamed at him like a two-year-old, like I do with my spouse? Very rarely will a man ever say, oh, I'd never talk to my boss that way. I'd never talk to a CEO that way. I'd never talk to the founder that way. Uh, because out of the respect that you have for that position, or for example, I don't know anyone that goes, yeah, you know, I just pulled my pastor aside, ripped him a new one, you know, or I whine and complain and fuss, right? Like, hey, I have too much respect for that position. And yet their spouses they'll scream and yell and cuss and do all say all these mean and nasty things. And it's like, man, what, what's the deal here? Like, where's the respect, right? So my bride and I discovered that through this prehab mindset, we have yet to have a fight, okay? Basically. In 25 plus years of marriage and 29 weddings, we have never had a fight. Now we've had disagreements, but I respect my bride way too much to yell and scream and do stupid things that I'm gonna regret later. And part of that is what we talked about earlier. I have the guardrails of these two states. I'm either a right. post honeymoon bliss or I'm in excitement planning the next trip. And when you're in those two states, guess what? I don't have time to fight. I don't wanna fight. I don't wanna raise my voice. Now, as a father with two teenage kids, I raise my voice quite often at them, <laughs> but, never, but never at my bride. So just so you know that I'm human. But I am, I am now correcting that and reframing that and realize that, hey, to be a father of greatness, I need to start eliminating that. And by saying, hey, you know what? If I'm not yelling at my bride, why am I yelling at my, why am I, my teens, my amazing teens? So that's kind of a long answer, short question, but it's just that mindset and that mentality of like, wait a minute, I don't have to do this. I can focus on the prehab side so it never gets to this point where I'm going to scream and yell or the point where I'm leaving or the point, oh, you know, we need to take a break or this and this or whatever. So it's all about doing the work on the front end instead of this cleanup, uh, what do they call it, damage control on the back end. So it, it's all that front end mindset, if that makes sense. Love it. Incredible. And I didn't want to interrupt you because what you're sharing is so valuable. Uh, but when you were using Tom Brady's example, you know, preparing for a high contact sport. When you said football, I almost blurted out marriage because, because some of really the metaphor of high contact sport, think of the high contact and those interactions we have with our spouse. And then you started talking about parenting. So I want to get into parenting because you and Susan are not alone on your journey. You are a father to two teenage, almost adult children. And, you know, as you go through different seasons in your life and stages of fatherhood, I'm always curious because I have two little ones, right? Seven and 10. And so we're at different stages, but I want to ask you, you know, be, being a father, like what is the most important lesson or what are some of the realizations that you have had as a father? Mm. Mm. <sighs> well, as someone who grew up without a father, I have 
And to this day, and I'm continuing to process it, the massive father pain in my life. But really when it comes down to the parenting side is, and this happened just recently, Cam, so I want to share this. Yeah. Of, you know, because I'm I'm preparing you. So early on, and you've been there too, but early on, my bride and I subscribed to the terrific twos instead of the terrible twos. You know, that maybe that's made its way up to Canada, right? Oh, you know, yeah. the terrible twos. It's like, no, no, we'll do the terrific twos. Okay. Um, so we homeschool our young adults. So we are at home with them all the time. So there have been many times. Uh, during this teenage journey where we've looked at the kids in the neighborhood walking off to school, we're just like, man, that looks like really good right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, can we get a break? Right? Can use so, a little space. Yes, yeah. So homeschooling these teenagers. But really when it comes down to parenthood, it was adopting the philosophy of, you know what? These opportunities of frustration are giving me the opportunity to rise to greatness. Love where it. I want to be a father of greatness. I don't want to be like the rest of the loser fathers that just complain about, oh, teens, I can't believe my teen. Oh, man, teenagers. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know what? Those are the same guys that you get around that just complain about their spouses all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Can you believe my wife? She said this, and I can't believe it. Blah, blah, blah. So early on, way early, I totally eliminated associating from anybody that talked bad about their wives. I'm like, I didn't want to be around you. So uh, I gave up a lot of different associations. And then I started realizing it with, you know, waking up like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm associating with people that are complaining about their teenagers. Like I want to associate with people that are talking about rising to greatness. I get to rise up. I get to prove the excellence and say, wow, here's a chance to rise up and be an amazing dad. Because the challenge, Cam, that you've discovered uh, with seven and 10, right, is the translation, right? Like, especially in the teenage years. So my daughter is saying to me, dad, I really need your help here. Dad, I'm really scared. Dad, I'm really unsure. Dad, I'm kind of unsecure with this. Can you help me? That's what she's saying. Mm -hmm. But what it comes out like is, dad, this sucks. I hate it. Dad, get me out of here. Ah," You know, whatever, right? So it's learning to translate that and realize that, hey, my daughter's being a little ticky or my daughter's like, no, nah, I don't want to go for a walk. No, nah, I don't want to do this. No, nah, I don't want to do this. That's an opportunity for me to lean in instead of go, oh, fine. Well, you're giving me attitude then I'll just check out and go watch NFL Network. It's, yeah. it's really just using that from a parenting standpoint of leaning in. Because right now in your stage, right, they're still cute. They're still fun. and yeah, Most of the time. Yeah. You can pass <laughs> some of the temper tantrums and, hey, you stole my headphones. You know, what's going on? You know, and all that. But as, as that increases, that was a big awakening of like, hey, this is my opportunity to rise up instead of sit and complain like everybody else about, oh, you know, teens and kids and all this. So um, that, that's a, a parenting, uh, timely uh, answer to that question. Yeah, there's so much, so much to unpack there. Um, I want to get into the rise to greatness in a moment, but it sounds, you know, you, you talked about it started when your kids were two. And you reframed the language that you were using with your kids. You reframed the language you're using with your marriage and with your spouse. Um, But you mentioned something last week, and I had to write down right away. And we were talking about fathers who are are maybe struggling with that reframing process. And some of the language you use is that, that we get to not have to. And I love that. 
Can you give us an example of a, we get to not have to reframing for someone who's listening right now and just list and just went through what you shared. And it's like, Oh man, that's me at times. Uh, how am I going to be able to reframe this? Yeah. Oh, great, great question. So first of all, we need to take it back a step, Cam, and understand. Um, and this will help you in some of the other stuff you have going on. But at the core, at the core, the way the human body is wired with emotions and physiology and everything is that at our core, we will always avoid pain. And so you look at certain behaviors and we've all been there, Ken, and you're like, oh, man, why did I do this? Or what am I doing? Right? Like, I can't believe I did that. Or we look at other people's kids or other people, sports people on TV, like, dude, what are you doing? Right? Like, you've got all this money. You're an amazing athlete. What are you doing driving drunk? What are you doing over here? What are you doing over here? But at our core, we will always avoid pain. And so this pain gets labeled in different ways because whatever you focus on, you feel, even if it's not true. I mean, that's Tony Robbins 101. Yeah. So if we define something as painful, then it gets avoided subconsciously most of the time. Until again, you're two years down the road and you're, gosh, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Like, oh, I associated this as painful. So it gets avoided. Okay, yeah. so the way to reframe that, for example, like, hey, dealing with a teenage daughter with an attitude for most people is painful. So what do most fathers do? Avoid. <laughs> like, okay, you go in your room, fine. I'll go do something. Else. But the reframing is instead of, oh, man, I have to deal with this. Oh, man, I have to do this. Oh, man. If you reframe that from have to to get to, now it's not painful anymore. And if it's not painful, now you don't have this mental block. So for example, a lot of people have pain associated with taxes, okay? Or pain with paying bills, you know? Mm -hmm. Here's a great one, real-time example, right? So if you're sitting there, you got bills on your desk, oh, I have to pay bills, right? So you tend to blow it off last minute and then, oh, you know, you, have you been there with the credit card payment, right? Like, oh, I'll just pay on the last day and then you forget. And then, oh, now I get hit with the late fee and this and this, and it's just more pain, you know, on top of pain in this doom loop, right? Yeah. But if you switch it to a get to, hey man, I get to, and it's like, well, how do I do that? Well, here's a great one. When you pay a bill, in essence, you're paying off a liability, right, Kim? Right. Okay, so when you decrease liabilities, that increases your net worth. So. Often when I take calls at the office or whatever, people are like, hey, what are you doing? I go, man, I'm increasing my net worth. They're like, whoa, how are you doing that? And I say, yeah, I'm paying these bills. They're like, huh? <laughs> I'm like, so every time I pay a bill, I'm increasing my net worth. Okay, so now there's no pain involved. It's a get to. Hey, I get to increase my net worth. Hey, I get to increase my net worth. Hey, I get to increase my net worth because those liabilities are gone. So when it comes to parenting, reframe. Hey, I get to engage with my daughter. I Love get it. to step forward. And here's a, a bigger one, because again, on this call, we promise, right? Hey, if you want to eliminate some pain and problems. So here's a, a great way to get to and reprocess something. So, and I'm telling on me, Cam, this is Evan telling on Evan here. So there was a time where I was internally complaining about, as crazy as it sounds, about being a parent. Okay. So let me, let me ask you, Kim. So you got a seven and yeah. 10 year old. Yes. Were they both surprise babies or were, were those a planned event? Uh, well, both surprised. Like we oh, were, really? yeah, both were surprised, but awesome surprises. 
Yeah. Okay. But I mean, you were like, we were ready. We were ready. Family are like, oh my gosh, what happened? We got a baby. Oh no, we were ready. We were okay. like, it'd be amazing to have kids. And then we're like, oh, we're pregnant. So it was a surprise, but a really happy event. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So semi-planned, like, hey, we're in this stage. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. So I'd say most people have are you know prepared to have their children, or most of their children are prepared. But sometimes you have the first one's a surprise or the last one, right? Like, hey, I've got this ten-year gap, surprise baby. But I need to. Part- so I need to jump in because I'm reflecting right now in my brain and how happy I am to be a dad, and how happy I was to hear that I was going to be a dad. And I want to be completely transparent because I was just like that wasn't that wasn't completely truthful. We were very excited about having kids. And I look back at when I found out like as this crazy, momentous, like just amazing event. Evan, I found out that we were pregnant with our first child, our daughter, on the morning of our wedding day. Whoa! So that in itself has some unpacking to do. But I just wanted to share because I answered your question and I felt that I wasn't being completely truthful as I reflected. So I'm sorry to interrupt, but I wanted to do Oh, no, no. You can never. That's not interruption. That is. See, I'm so proud of you, Cam. That is like mm, actual that. See, that's what that's what real transparency and real translucency is. Translucent means to bring light in. And so often we, so many people, we just, we don't think about the words we say and we just lie, 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 lie. And that perpetuates this doom loop of shame and guilt and uh, 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 rather than calling ourselves on it. Like, hey, wait a minute, you know what? That totally wasn't accurate. So thank you, Cam. That is real time processing, real time calling yourself out going, hey, I need to work on that. So thank you, Cam. That's, that's what the podcast right there. But let me blow this open from a parenting aspect. So here I am at this stage in life, and I'm noticing that I'm bemoaning these times where I have to be a parent. Like, man, my kids should be past this by now. Man, they should do this. Man, 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 man. And I realized, like, wait a minute. I signed up for this. My bride and I said, let's have children. <laughs> okay? So I signed up for this. Why am I bemoaning the fact that my young adults, that's what we call them, need parenting? I'm a parent. They need parenting. That's what it is. For example, Cam, I know you you spend a lot of time out and about and you have different A-listers that you're around and movie stars and athletes. And um, I know just so I I want everyone on this call and watching this to picture their favorite A-lister or favorite actor. So in your case, Cam, who would that be? Sports star, actor, just name one. Uh, I've been around or I would like to be around? Either one. Oh man, sports. You know, I'm thinking hockey. I think Jerome McGinla. He used to be a Calgary okay. Flame. Yeah. There you go. Okay. So you got you got your hockey guy, right? And let's say yeah. you're out in a restaurant, people come up for an autograph. And what if this athlete turned to you and gave you this oh, another stupid autograph? Can you believe this? Like, oh yeah. man, what a pain in the rear. And right. I know you would be like, dude, you're a sports celebrity. This is what you signed up for, right? This is part of the gig. This is why you get 10, 15, 20 million bucks a year, you know, right. to do this. This is how it works. So I realized like, as I was starting to judge and get irritable with some of these actors and athletes that were doing some of the stuff, I said, wait a minute, I'm doing the same thing with my kid. Wow. How dare I bemoan the fact that my kids need parenting when I'm a parent? <laughs> Uh, this is what they need this is how it works like 
okay. So back to that rising up of like, hey, am I going to be the guy making 40, 50, 100 million bucks a year whining about signing an autograph? Or, hey, I get to do this because there was a time when I wasn't making $100 million a year. And there will be a time very soon where they're out of the house and I'm not a parent anymore. And so it's this mindset of like, wait a minute, anytime I'm, you know, the the classic term, if you spot it, you got it. Maybe you heard that, Kim. Yeah, yeah. So when I'm being judgmental of others, that's like, ooh, wait a minute, where am I doing that in my life? Ah, in this parenting aspect. So that's kind of where that get to came from of like, hey, rising up and stepping up and saying, hey, I get to be a parent. This is what I signed up for. This is part of the process. And how do we make this a joyful journey? Yeah, I love it. You know, we've been going through something. I'm going to bring my daughter up again. I love her. She's just amazing. I'm going to bring my daughter up again. You know, she went through a stage where not too long ago, she was having a really, really tough time getting to bed. And it wasn't going to bed, the process. It was falling asleep and she'd wake up and she'd be crying and she would come out and we're getting ready for bed. We're ready to go to bed. We're exhausted. You're tired. And, and she keeps coming upstairs and I can't fall asleep. I'm, and she's crying. And there was part of like Kim and I uh, where we're just like, oh, just go to bed. Like just fall, just close your eyes, read for a while. But then it was like, wait a minute, take a step back. We are making this about us right now. Mm. We are not making this about her. And I, I went downstairs. I just get up every time I go downstairs. And there'd be times, we, we all know we're dads. So it's like, I don't, I don't want to do this. I know I need to do this because this is my role. And I'm laying, you know, next to her and I'm like rubbing her back or trying to distract her with a story or whatever it is because her brain's just racing. And I come back upstairs and Kim would be like, oh, thanks for doing that. And I said, you know what? I'm, I'm thinking of Maya right now who's nine or 10 and six years, four years, three years from now, she's not going to want her dad to come cuddle with her before she goes to bed. And so I am going to cherish every one of these like inconvenient moments as, as a, a point of reframing. And so, yeah. you know, that's what I was thinking about, but that's something that you were working through right now. Um, and let, me, wait, let me give you a real time reframe. Just yeah. Call again. Calling you on your stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you're already setting yourself up for pain and problems by saying, oh, my daughter. I, right? Oh, Why am I saying that? So I'll give yeah, you a real-time yeah. example. My daughter's 15 and a half. Yeah. She knocks on the door, and her fun game is I'll knock on the door, because usually our cat wants in the bedroom in the morning. Okay. And she'll meow with the cat and jumps up on the bed and cuddles with us at 15 and a half. Yeah. Okay, that's not every morning. That's yeah. Some mornings, yeah. But realizing, right? Like, just look at the way you program yourself. Well, the world yeah. says your teens are going to disconnect from you. Says who? Says who? Says who? And, right. But the more you you carry that mindset forward and all that, you you, you again, it's this self fulfilling prophecy of, of a doom loop, rather than yeah. like, hey, I'm rising up to be an amazing dad. So I'm laying this foundation. So my daughter's so secure in my love that when she's a teenager, freaking out and wanting to know where the boundaries are. She right? wants a hug. Yeah. Yes. And that's what teens are doing. Like teens or teen rebellion. They're not rebelling. They just want to know where the boundary is. And if you're inconsistent, they're going to keep pushing the boundaries. Hmm. So when my young adults are pushing the boundaries, I'm like, Ooh, where have I been inconsistent? Where do we need more to be more consistent with? But yes, I, I, I will challenge the mindset and the paradigm of like, my daughter's always going to want to cuddle with me because I'm the cuddle dad. Yes. I, I appreciate you pointing that out. And I will no longer view it that way. 
Well, my friend, I know you have enjoyed part one of my conversation with Evan Money. What an amazing conversation. What an amazing man to share the insight and the knowledge and the experience that he's had to help you move forward in your relationships. In part two of our conversation, which is the next episode, so go ahead and listen to it now. In part two of our conversation, we are gonna dive more into the importance of men having space and holding space for processing emotion. And if right now in your head you are saying, Cam, I don't really need to listen to that, you are exactly the person who needs to listen to that. Stop putting that stuff off. It is the most important, especially if you're someone who wants to eliminate the pain in your relationships and the pain in your marriage and still have the most amazing sex life that you've had in years. And of course, building relationships is important and holding space for yourself to process is important. And Evan is going to dive into that in part two of my conversation with Evan Money. Thank you for joining me today on this episode of the Dad's Making a Difference podcast. I hope you found value in today's show. And if it made a positive impact on you, please share it with someone you know, leave a five-star review and subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. I'm Cam Hall. Thank you for spending time with me today. And I will see you on the next episode of the DMD podcast.